0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Fearlessly Feral. This is episode number three of Fearlessly Feral Living. Thank you so much for listening. I am broadcasting to you from the Woogie Ranch out here in the back 40 of northwestern Nevada, where I'm a half an hour away from the nearest gas station and the nearest grocery store. Today, we are experiencing one of those wonderful spring storms and it is very windy outside. So if you hear some wind noise or some things going bump in the background, don't worry about it. It's just the wind. This podcast is devoted to using new thought principles to ensure successful creative living. Successful living begins from within us and moves outward. Change your thinking to change your life. Today, we're going to talk about what to do when life sucks. Now, I'm sure you know what I mean by life sucking. You get overwhelmed and you get in a fight with your partner and you want to run away. You or your partner receives a diagnosis of a life-threatening illness, complete with a prognosis for an end date. You know, one of those, you've got six months left to live, better get your affairs in order kinds of things. You lose a job, or you get in an accident and break something, or there's a fire and all your stuff is gone. Or, you know, there's a nasty little virus called COVID-19, coronavirus, and all of a sudden you're locked up in your own home and you can't go anywhere. Those are the outer sucky kinds of things that can happen to us in life, and I'm here to tell you that they do happen. Life, that's part of life, and it just happens. Then there's the inner sucky stuff. Sometimes that inner sucky stuff seems to happen willy-nilly with no discernible cause. But today I'm going to suggest that there is a cause for that inner suckiness. And there is a solution to it. And I'm also going to suggest that everything begins inside In other words, the inner causes or manifests or tends to result in the outer. Not always, but most of the time. It's the patterns of our inner that I want to talk about today. It's the ways that we think and believe. And inner suckiness tends to look like life just doesn't feel right. We're not sure why. But things don't seem to fit. You might show up for work and you might do all the stuff you're supposed to be doing. But you're not feeling the love. You don't feel the joy. Everything seems sort of muted. It's a pale imitation of what you think true joy ought to be. You might be having the experience of not having had a belly laugh in months or years. That's inner suckiness. You might be feeling angry or frustrated or depressed. You can't see the humor in anything, you can't see the good in anything, you can't play. You're lonely, you're ill at ease, you're restless, irritable, and discontented. You might feel as if we simply don't fit in this world anymore. All of that, that's all suckiness. And with so many reasons to have a sucky life, you might wonder that I could even think that there's a way to live without suckiness. And yet I do. Not only do I think it, but I believe it and I feel it and I know it. And I insist on it. And I insist on it for me and I insist on it for you. And when you get right down to it, the reason for the suckiness is not any of those outer things that I was talking about earlier. Again, life happens. It just does. The reality is that there is one reason and one reason only for living a sucky life. Only one reason. It's called separation. Now, that's a bit of a jargony term. So let me try and explain it in plain language, which is going to be difficult to do because describing separation is a bit like describing the color purple. In other words, it's almost impossible to describe it verbally. You have to show it. But this is an audio medium, so I'm going to do the best I can here with verbally explaining it. So here's an example. Look at a body of water. I live near a couple of lakes. I live near a couple of rivers. Bodies of water. You might live near the ocean. How do you separate a drop from the body of water? You really can't, and if you try, the drop soon fades away, evaporating into nothingness. But keep that drop in the body of water, and the body of water sustains itself, a part of the cycle of nature of rain and river and flow and providing moisture to the air and endlessly cycling in its own little world of oneness, each step of the way nourishing and feeding the next. There's no separation there. It's impossible to separate the drop of water from the body of water. It's called oneness. The drop of water is one with the body of water. Here's another example. In Hindu terms, there's a thing called samadhi. It's a Sanskrit word meaning a perfect union of our souls with spirit. Another meaning is a state of oneness. The yogis say that to achieve samadhi, one must meditate. I have found this to be true. Meditation is very helpful. They also say that there are two levels of samadhi. One is when we experience a state of oneness when meditating. The other is when we experience that state of med- of oneness all the time. I'm aiming for the 24-7 variety of oneness. And I'm here to tell you that it is possible to do so. If you can feel it in meditation, you can feel it 24-7. And that's how we get to oneness. It's the feelings. So how can you tell when you've achieved that state? How do you describe it in a way that is understandable? That's what I'm trying to do here. So here we go. All fear-based motives go away when we are in a state of oneness. Have you ever had a coach ask you what your motives are for doing something? Go ahead and ask yourself, take a couple minutes, ask yourself, what are my motives for doing this? What are my motives for this decision? Keep repeating the question over and over and over again until you boil it down to the most basic of all motives. Here's the most basic of all motives. Either I'm doing it because I'm afraid of losing something I already have or not getting something I want, or... I'm doing it because it is a perfect way for me to embody and express my own inherent unconditional oneness that looks like love and compassion. There's no expectations for return in the behavior or the decision when we come from oneness. It's just love. That's Samadhi. Now, when the ego gets out of the way and allows us as perfect godlings to express ourselves, that's oneness. By the way, ego is everyone's favorite whipping boy. You notice that? They seem to use it as a catch-all for everything negative and bad that goes on in our lives. But I don't think this about ego. Ego's just doing its job, which is to protect us at all costs. An ego hates change because the unknown is usually very threatening. And the ego does its job very well by resisting change at all costs. So it sets up a wild protestation at anything that makes it feel threatened. And it feels threatened quite a bit if we are in a state of separation. Now, if we're in a state of oneness, that ego just nicely settles down. So, when we are in samadhi, even the ego is quiet because it feels safe and secure. From the Christian tradition, that state of oneness is called mystical marriage. I like to think of it as being in a state of eternal communion. Again, it's not something we do once a week when we attend church. The meaning of communion, the meaning of oneness goes much deeper than that. We let go of anything keeping us from feeling as if there is a God in our lives. In Christian lingo, that's called sin. Sin keeps us from thinking and feeling as if there's a God operating in our lives. At least for me. In new thought lingo, we look at sin from the viewpoint of the original meaning of the word. In the days that the Bible was written, they taught in metaphor. And the original meaning of the word sin in Aramaic was that it was an archery term. It meant you missed your target. As in, dude, when you file that arrow off, you totally missed the target. Now your arrow's in that tree off to the right over there. You need to practice some more and try it again and re-aim. Today in New Thought Language, it means we made a mistake. That's all. We correct the mistake, we make amends, we set things right, and we are well on our way towards that sweet communion which makes things right in the world. Mystical marriage, oneness, not separation. In quantum physics, oneness is described in the concepts of non locality and tangled hierarchy. Non locality has demonstrated that we are all connected. All connected. Like aspen trees. Did you know that when you look at a grove of aspen trees, it's not just one tree that you're looking at. One grove, rather, with a bunch of different trees. It's all one tree. They all have the same root system. That's us. We all have the same root system. That's non-locality. Tangled hierarchy is like that state of newfound romantic love. We've all experienced it. You're all wrapped up in one another. You're each interdependent on the the other. And you do not feel complete or whole unless you are with your newfound love. And when you're not with them, something is missing. That's what separation feels like. Something is missing. It feels lonely. In fact, when I'm coaching someone who tells me they are lonely, I know it isn't about a lack of people or relationships. Have you ever had the experience of feeling lonely in a crowded room? That's what separation feels like. Separation feels not safe. And from that sense of not-safeness, we take measures to protect ourselves. I live in rural Nevada. Out here, when people don't feel safe, they arm themselves. It's not uncommon to see people walking around with a pistol on their hip. It is also very much not uncommon for folks out here to carry a concealed weapon. There are guns everywhere out here. Do you see the measures we go to to make ourselves feel safe in a world which can feel unsafe when we separate from anything that resembles a bigger picture? My belief is that this is where all war begins, whether it is war on a personal level or war on a global level. And my belief is that this is where all that us and them mentality begins. You know, that I'm right and you're wrong stuff. That sense of diverse, di- diversiveness that we feel and see on Facebook and other social media where everybody's attacking each other. That mentality, it all stems from separation. So if we strive toward a sense of oneness All that nasty tendency to fight goes away. I hope this gives you some idea of what separation looks like and feels like and what its opposite, oneness, looks like and feels like. Now remember that I'm positing here that separation is the cause of all suckiness in life, whether it's inner suckiness or outer. You are free to believe that or not, but I'm going to move on. And enter the law of attraction. Now, the law of attraction says that what we are is what we receive in life. What we put out there is what we get back. Now, if we believe in separation, if we base all of our thoughts and our words and our deeds on the premise that we are an island in the world all alone and not interdependent with our fellows and not interdependent with a spiritual God of our understanding, we are going to feel lonely and scared and threatened and not safe. And because of that, we are going to want to protect ourselves. And we are going to lash out in fear and attack anyone who thinks, who threatens us by thinking or dressing or believing differently than we do. We are going to be racist and bigoted and misogynistic and just plain miserable. And guess what? We attract what we believe. And so we're going to attract things, people, and situations which confirm our beliefs. We are indeed going to fulfill our own prophecy about life. This is where suckiness comes in. I bet you know someone who seems to be the victim of all sorts of misfortune. They get more flat tires than anyone else. They experience all matter of crisis and drama and trauma every single day. Every time you log into Facebook, you discover they've experienced another accident or a fire or a death or some other bad thing. Life is really sucky for them. So in order for life not to be sucky, we have to do two things. We must consistently and persistently strive to achieve a state of oneness. We do this by various means, depending on our beliefs. There is no monopoly on this stuff. If you're Christian, you might examine where you think you've sinned and confess those sins, pay your penance, and receive that Holy Communion. Just remember that you can live that. You don't have to just do it once a week. If you're a 12-stepper, you do introspection, you figure out what you've done that's caused trouble for you in your life, you share it, you make amends for it, and you strive for connection with the God of your understanding. If you're Hindu, you meditate and you strive to achieve that feeling of oneness during meditation, and then you strive to carry it on and feel oneness all the time. If you're a scientist, you might become familiar with the concepts of quantum physics and believe the results of repeated experiments that they've done, that we are all connected on deep levels and that our observations have the power to affect outcomes and you act accordingly. And if you are, like me, new thought, you recognize and believe that the relationship between us and God is inseparable that God is a part of us and we are a part of it, that God needs me to express and I need God to express. And in so doing, we strive to be as God-like as we possibly can, all the while acknowledging with love and acceptance and compassion our own human shortcomings. And if you love spiritual psychology as much as I do, you make good use of the spiritual practice of self-awareness through introspection, and you release with gratitude and love all those beliefs which cause trouble for you. And you replace those beliefs with new ones that serve you better. And then on the occasions when shit does happen, because that's a part of life, you will still feel a part of, you will still feel oneness. You will still feel that sense of ease and comfort which comes from a knowingness that you are a very important part Of something much bigger than you, and you can deal with all of those sucky life events with grace and dignity. And you will also be able to enjoy life on a much grander scale because you're coming from a knowingness that you are a very important part of something much bigger than you. So go with God, be one with nature, recognize your importance in this world recognize that you are a part of the universe and it is a part of you. Know your truth with a capital T and be one. Thank you so much for listening. I do have some links for you in the show notes. The basic outline of this particular episode is that when life sucks, it's because of one thing only, a phenomenon called separation. This episode describes what separation is and how to move towards a sense of the opposite of separation, oneness. I thank you for listening and I know that it is no accident that you are here. I affirm your greatest good. I affirm your inherent divinity and that that divinity shows up in your life as wisdom, prosperity, peace and unconditional love. And I know that you are the place where God shows up in this world. I love you and support you. Fearlessly Feral Living is sponsored by the Center for Spiritual Living, Carson City, Nevada. We are a teaching chapter. If you wish to contribute financially to support this project, you can go to www.cslcc.org. That's the initials for Center for Spiritual Living, Carson City, cslcc.org, and click on the donate button. Or you can head on over to Patreon and become a member of the Fearlessly Feral community. That's patreon.com slash fearlessly feral. Patreon.com slash fearlessly feral. Your gifts do contribute to the ongoing production of this podcast, as well as supporting Wednesday Night Wisdom and other ongoing activities sponsored by CSL Carson City. We also have a private Facebook group called Fearlessly Feral Living, where we discuss podcast podcast topics and other things, too. And of course, you can join by going to Facebook and looking up Fearlessly Feral Living. I'm currently serving as Interim Minister for Mountainside Center for Spiritual Living in Placerville, California. I speak there about every other Sunday and currently we are doing all of our Sunday services online via Zoom. My future speaking dates are May 17th, May 31st, June 14th, June 28th, July 12th, and July 26th. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, I am knowing knowing fearlessly, farrell living for you and for me.